Hello, everybody. How's it going? I'm Chase Jarvis. Welcome to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. This is where I sit down with the world's top creatives, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, and I unpack actionable and valuable insights. These things, they help you live your dreams in career, in hobby, and in life. My guest today is one of the most recognizable and most famous entrepreneurs in the history of our planet. He has disrupted so many industries. He's disrupted the airline industry, the music industry, the train industry, and now he's actually turned his sights to space. Wow, space. You know him by name. He is Sir Richard Branson. In our conversation, we discuss how does one guy start or be involved with four hundred companies. I think that's how many companies are flying under the Virgin brand. Holy smokes. We talk about how and why he's done this. You know, you've heard the term serial entrepreneur. Well, this guy, he lives it. And I think we can probably reduce it to the fact that what well, you've heard me also say this, scratch your own itch. I prompt him and he says, I look around and I see a lot of things that are not done well, or, or I have a lot of issues. And I try and, you know, when I bump up against these issues, I think, God, that's a great idea for a company. And then he, he goes and starts a company. He he says so many fascinating things. I've uh, been following, been a fan. I can't quite say friend. I think been an acquaintance of Richard for some time, for many years. And I've truly never heard an interview or as in-depth of a conversation with him as we go in this episode. I'm something I'm really proud of. <laughs> he says some amazing one-liners like, French is a useless language. Uh, he explicates on that a little bit. We talk about some really fascinating things like uh, his dyslexia and how in his eye it has been a very powerful vehicle, a catalyst for his uh, entrepreneurship. He gives a great shout out to how important, you know, self-driven learning is. Specifically, he talks about Creative Live. I love that shout out. That makes me feel really good. What else do we talk about? Oh man, he's got this saying, screw it, just do it. And I think is a powerful, powerful statement when you are thinking about whether to jump because basically anything with great upside, there there is a point where you have to take a leap. Uh, I love hearing about that process in his mind. Uh, he actually says the words that screwing it is just so much more fun and screw it, just do it. He also gets a really cool and, and gripping um, description, not just of his new movie, this is this biography called Don't Look Down, but really the moments that movie was based on, which was his transatlantic world record mission in a balloon where he came within a hair's breadth of dying. Again, great film dropped this year at the Tribeca Film Festival. We discussed that. And this is something you want to know. He shares a story that he says he has not ever revealed in any public way in an interview or anything. And we get that here in this episode. So there's lots of good candy here. There's lots of actionable insight. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. But before we get into the show, please enjoy this little note about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest hub for online creative education. Education in photo, video, art design, music and audio, and the ability to make a living and a life in those disciplines. It's the highest quality, highly curated classes taught by the world's top experts. We're talking Pulitzer Prize winners, Oscar winners, Grammy Award winners, New York Times best-selling authors, and the best entrepreneurs of our time. Names like Richard Branson, Mark Cuban, Ariana Huffington are on the platform. And you get classes taught from guys like Tim Ferriss, Lewis Howes, uh, Ramit Sethi. I, again, I could list uh, a thousand other names of the top photographers, designers, musicians, 
the best in class, you get it. Now, right now, if you're familiar with me and my work, you might be saying, well, wait a minute, isn't that a company that you started, Chase? Well, yes, it is. In fact, Creative Live makes this entire podcast possible. And in fact, all of my longstanding Chase Jarvis Live shows. Creative Live has millions of students around the world. More than 2 billion minutes of education have been consumed on that video platform. So, you know, that's a little bit of the sort of the what and the how behind Creative Live. But here's the why, which I think is so critical. Creative Live exists to help you live your dreams in career, hobby, and life. In short, I started Creative Live with a bunch of really committed friends because we saw a, a big need in the world. We wanted to help our peers and friends and, and folks out there in the world transition to new careers, live new dreams, take the leap, if you will, into an entirely different sort of direction where you can leave that job, maybe your job with the man, and strike out on your own. I also saw my peers in the photo and the design world needing to sort of up their skills and get ahead. And I saw friends who were happily working at great companies but wanted to pursue their hobby to a next level that you know might someday parlay into a side hustle. So we built that platform. Uh, these classes at Creative Live are the most highly and authentically produced of any of the online video platforms you'll experience. The top experts, it's all shot with 48 cameras, all in HD, beautifully presented and accessible on desktop, tablet, mobile. You know I stand for quality and that's what Creative Live uh, puts out. To that end, I have also taken it upon myself to curate a handful of my very favorite classes and mix them in with some of the top performing classes on Creative Live. And I'll bake that into a landing page called creativelive.com slash hustle just for you. This community listens to our podcast here. So you should go there and you should check that out as a special thank you for being a podcast listener. If you find a class that you love, either from the ones that I've curated or elsewhere on the site, and you want to buy it, during checkout, enter the code CHASER. That's my name plus an R, just C-H-A-S-E-R. And do that during checkout and you'll get 25% off your order. Uh, I think that's awesome and I hope you do too. So thanks very much for checking it out. Let me know what you think. Now that's it for the sponsors. Uh, now let's get into the show. So over the course of this conversation, my goal is to inspire the people on the other side of the camera with not just your life story, but, but actionable insights. And I read some press about the, the film dropping last night. And one of the things that was so impressive to me was the decision to go, to actually do something instead of nothing. Um, and I think there's some connections, clear connections between your entrepreneurship and flying a balloon across the Atlantic when you had experience, but little experience, and, and there was a willingness to sort of just go. Can you talk to me about that sort of that, it seems like an innate part of you, but probably it was learned. I don't know. Maybe you can tell us a little <laughs> bit more. Um, well, I've always uh, had the philosophy that, you know, screw it, uh, just do it is a lot more fun than, um, than not screwing it and not doing it. <laughs> um, and, um, and sometimes it's got me into a lot of trouble, uh, and sometimes, uh, more, more often than not, it's been, it's been fantastic. And um, so, you know, I suppose one of my greatest fear in life is saying no to something and then regretting it. So, um, so I have said yes a lot. And, um, and in the case of, um, you know, the ballooning adventures, um, yeah, nearly cost us my life, but it, it, it helped put Virgin on the map on a global basis and, um, and you know, helped, helped get the brand established. And, um, and it was 
actually great fun when it when it was going well, and it was actually terrifying when it wasn't. And, that uh, sounds like so many things in life: the yeah. entrepreneurship and actually being in a balloon. For the, a little bit of context, can you? It was the first. Uh, it, it, was the, it was the first um, time that. Uh, well, five people had actually tried to cross the Atlantic. Five people had died. So it was it was the um, it was the an at attempt to try to do it differently than the others had done it, and that was to fly in the jet stream at thirty five thousand feet, where you've got very strong winds, uh, to be above the bad weather. Um, and um, uh, and you know we were the first, and then and then foolishly we decided to do the Pacific, um, <laughs> and a lot a lot of exciting. Things went wrong on the way, but um, we missed Los Angeles, I think, by two and a half thousand miles, which is what we were aiming for, and ended up in the Arctic. But um, but they were they were great adventures. And there's a lot of parallels uh, between the risks there uh, and, and entrepreneurship. Clearly, maybe not risking your life per se. Was the was the decision to to take on that risk? Was it? for your business or if it was for yourself to give you sort of personal energy? A lot of people like they work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you've already mentioned in this interview twice, fun, how important that is for, me, for you. So uh, how do those things sort of relate to one another in your mind? Are they connected? Well, was the adventure connected <laughs> to entrepreneurship? Yeah, so um, we had um, uh, a successful record company, but we had a one airline, 1747 for, for Virgin Atlantic. and. We were just trying to think of unique ways of putting this tiny little airline on, on the map. Um, and you know, this balloonist said he, he thought he could build a balloon to do the job. And so initially, it was, you know, it was something we embarked on to see if we could get Virgin on the map. Uh, it obviously then became much more important than that and, and, and a, great, a great personal adventure. I think the, I think the parallels one can um, draw from in, in business is that um, the most important thing when you start a business is thinking about protecting the downside. You know, what, you know how can you avoid the business going bust? Um, you know, um, you know what, what will you do? If it does go bust, are you going to lose your home or, or not lose your home? Um, uh, in, as an adventurer, you know, obviously the downside is losing your life and, and you've got to uh, do everything you can to avoid that. Um, and um, and uh, and then if you do lose your life, at least you've um, you know you you know you've avoided you've done everything you could can not to have done for sure. Uh, and of course, you'll kick yourself. My my, uh, I have a strong recollection. You're an investor in Creative Live, and, and one of the first times we met in San Francisco, um, you gave me that same advice. I said, you know, if you're going to give a guy like me a piece of advice, you know, in the startup world, we're trying to build a game-changing, paradigm-changing company for education. What would it be? And, and you told me to take great chances, and yet predict or protect the downside. Is that a sort of a mantra across all of your businesses, or how do you how do you think about that? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I it, it it is a mantra. I haven't always abided by it. I mean, <laughs> don't I, take your own you know, advice. Okay, occasionally, in the early days, I would ask my wife to sign a bit of paper uh, without her knowing that that was the house on the line for about the tenth time. Um, and we could have ended up on the street. So, um, you know, so, uh, but, but obviously that was a foolish thing to do and, and I wouldn't recommend it to other people. And, um, and I think, um, you know, um, to be able to sleep well at night and know you've got a roof over the head is important. So, um, you know, so take, take bold, bold steps and bold risks, but don't necessarily put everything on the line. So you have 
something like 400 companies under the Virgin umbrella now. It started from your kitchen counter, didn't it? Was it, I mean, it, was, it started was, from a phone box uh, at my school when I was 15. Um, we didn't have mobile phones. And, um, and I wanted to start a magazine to campaign against the Vietnamese war. And, um, and you know, so I had to try to sell advertising um, for the magazine in order to get it going. And so I literally, were, you know, when people weren't, when there wasn't a queue outside the school phone box, I went in there and rang up Coca-Cola and rang up Pepsi and, you know, say, well, Pepsi's agreed to take an ad and then Coke would jump in and then I'd rang up, ring up, ring up Coke. <laughs> There's some lessons well, in there. <laughs> and so, you know, so we, we, we kept, um, you know, and then, then we tried the same with banks, you know, NatWest is there, they're taking an ad. And anyway, so I learned, I learned the art of bullshit quite early on when it came to selling advertising. And... That was uh, at your school, as you mentioned. Um, how? Let's talk about what role school played for you. Obviously, uh, I've gone to Virgin Disrupt with you and spoken there um, about the future of education, how it's changing. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, your sort of? I've read and we've spoken a little bit about it, a little bit of a disconnect between you and traditional education. Um, what do you think about education today? Where is it going? And how to, what's the best way for the people at home who are listening to sort of prepare for their future? Um, I'm, I'm dyslexic um, and, uh, and therefore uh, formal education didn't interest me and therefore I wasn't any good at it. Um, once something interests me, then, then, um, you know, then, I, then I lap it up and learn quite quickly. Um, and... Um, and, uh, and I think education generally just should be a lot more interesting, a lot more relevant. Um, and, um, you know, for instance, you know, like if you showed people a, a ballooning film across the Atlantic, they would learn, you know, they could learn a whole masses of lessons from it, you know, like hot air rises. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there's a jet stream, you know, tra traveling at 200 miles an hour at 30,000 feet. There's, you know, and so on and so on. I mean, there's just, there's just so much you can... Uh, you, you can, so, you know, so many techniques you can use to bring education alive. And, um, but instead, um, you know, people, for instance, in Britain are taught French. Nobody ever learns French. It's a completely useless language. And, um, you know, Spanish would be much more useful. And, and people are still taught Latin, um, you know, algebra. <laughs> I mean, all, you know, I mean, all, all these bizarre subjects, where, whereas um, it's not that relevant to life. How, and as people... Uh it sounds like you're encouraging people to lean into their passions. Uh, is it with? Is it because you have greater energy around things that you care about? Um, is it because that's where your aptitudes lie? What's your philosophy on? I think I, I, th I think you know it's sort of foolish to spend your life not for, not not becoming expert at your passions. If you're passionate about something, you're going to give it. Um, you're going to give it your all, and um, and you're going to en enjoy learning about it. Whereas if you have no interest in it, um, uh, you're, you're not going to uh, you're not going to lap it up. Well, would you category I mean, now with 400 companies under the Virgin Group? I th is it fair to say you have 400 interests? Or I know those are. Uh, I understand the structure of Virgin. I'm in, I'm, I'm interested in in life generally, and um, and. I love learning about new things, and if something frustrates me, I'll I'll dive in there and um, and try to improve it. Um, and um, and quite a lot of things must have frustrated me <laughs> in my life. <laughs> well, I think that's uh, 
I've often, uh, in the little experience I have relative to you, um, but I've always found that scratching my own itch, if there's a problem that I have personally or some people that are close to me, that the, the vigor that I will sort of go into a challenge like that is always much greater. And I, th- I, th- I believe you started Virgin Atlantic because you, you missed a flight or you had a bad flight experience. Can you recall that for us? Like that's yeah, was, literally scratching yeah. your own itch. I, I was trying to get from um, Puerto Rico to the British Virgin Islands and American Airlines only had a half full flight. And so they told us all to come back the next morning. Um, I had a beautiful lady waiting for me in the BVI. I was not going to wait till the next morning. Um, and so I, I went to the back of the airport. I was 28 years old. Um, I hired a plane, um, borrowed a blackboard, and then just wrote, as a joke, Virgin Airlines, $39 one way to, the, uh, to Puerto Rico. And I went and all the people who'd been bumped and, and filled up my first plane. Um, and then the next day I rang up Boeing and said, do you have any secondhand 747s for sale? <laughs> and you went from a plane that's <laughs> island hopping to a 747? <laughs> they, uh, and uh, anyway, so we, so we were, so, you know, so that was, yeah, I mean, that was literally out of frustration. I was, gonna, I was getting to that lady. <laughs> um, but also just the frustration of air, you know, the way that airlines did sort of treat you. Uh, the, the and by the way, I think, yeah. you know, the, the best businesses come from um, people's bad personal experiences. I mean, it, you know, like people who are listening to this program, I mean, you know, if you just keep your eyes open, you're going to find, you're, you're going to uh, find something that frustrates you. And then, and then you think, well, you know, I, I, I can maybe do it better than, than, um, than it's being done. And there you have a business. I mean, if you can improve people's lives, you have a business. Um, uh, you know, I'm a proud investor in, in your company. And um, you know, I, th- I love what you do, and and I, and I think, um, you know, you're you're fulfilling a you know a real service to you know to people out there, and um, and therefore you know that the business is going to be successful, and um, and there is still you know people think well everything's been thought of, but uh, actually you know all the time that's the great thing about capitalism there's there's uh, gaps in the market here, gaps in the market there, ways of improving things here, ways of improving things there. Um, and um, and people should just give it, you know give it a go. Do you do you feel like that um, there's a, there's a certain sense of play with you personally with your brand um, and it's to a certain extent in, in solving problems. For example, the story you told about walking around with a blackboard and tickets to the BVI for thirty nine dollars. How important is play to you personally, and then to sort of the entrepreneurial spirit? I think play is really important. I mean, I, I, I think we only live once, and we, we ought to try to live with a smile as best we can, and, and have a have a good time. And um, and you know, one of my favourite days in the year is April Fool's Day, and I love 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 pulling people's legs. And um, and you know, sometimes it backfires. I, I once ended up in prison all day for it on April Fool's Day when. Uh, they managed to turn it, turn it on me. Sometimes it's successful, like you know, with our glass bottom planes of last year. Where you know, <laughs> I mean, I think that it went viral. The whole world thought that Virgin Atlantic was building glass bottom planes, and um, people love the idea. So I suspect we will one day. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Well, let's talk about space. Um, I feel space, uh, obviously, the next frontier. But it also sounds so undoable when you're standing here on Earth and you're looking out there, uh, yet you're running headlong into it. Is there, 
you know, do you have the same sort of fears of starting any business? Is this, is it de-risked because there's so many players in the game now? Or I, I, how do you, how do you think about space? Um, it's incredible that you're going after it. It's uh, enormously challenging. Um, it is rocket science and it is tough. Um, uh, and we've been going now um, for 10 years. Um, so it's been, you know, it's cost us a penny or two as well, or a dollar or two. Um, they, um, uh, it's, um, you know, resulted in tears, um, but we think that um, we're almost there. Um, the space, new spaceship is finished. It's starting its test program. Um, and we, we just hope to be up and away in, in the not too distant future. Um, and so it's not, you know, putting people just into space, I've, I think it's very important because I think, um, you know, that overview effect of looking back on Earth um, transforms people. And we'd, we'd love to have many people become astronauts and experience that. Um, but equally, you know, we'll be putting uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, satellites into space, which will um, connect people. I mean, like there are four billion people who can't get your programming um, in the world um, uh, because they don't have internet or Wi-Fi access. Um, if we can actually help connect those four billion people, then then um, education, health, um, you know, um, people being able to start businesses, a whole mass of things follow from it. So, lots of exciting things from space travel. And was that inspired? Was it a like a childhood vision that you had? Was it inspired from the view that you got, you know, from those balloons at thirty thousand feet? It was. Um, it was inspired out of frustration again. I mean, I couldn't understand. I wanted to go to space. Um, but NASA, uh, the Chinese, Russians, they just weren't interested in you or me going to space. So in the end, I thought, screw it, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> I'll, reg I'll reg register the name Virgin Galactic Airways, which I did. That was the first thing I did. And then I'll travel around the world trying to find engineers. With your chalkboard? Uh, yeah, <laughs> engineers to, um, you know, who could knock a, knock a spaceship together and build rockets. And, and the rest, hopefully, will be history. Oh, um all that's very inspiring, and I think there's so many folks I, we mentioned w before the camera started rolling. Talked about there's sort of two groups behind the cameras here. There's a group that is, you know, stuck in something they don't want to be in, and taking that first step seems like something some gigantic um, risk for them or for their family. And there's the other group of folks that have started something and are looking to take it to the next level. So that's two questions here, one for each group. The first group. Um, advice that you would give to the folks who are trying to go from zero to one there? They may be, you know, bound by fear or, or yeah. what's keeping them down? I think um, it's particularly, di particularly difficult to take a risk and start your own business. Uh, if you've got a comfortable job, um, you know, you're, you're paying off a mortgage, you've got maybe children, um, you've got a partner, um, uh, and, you know, to, to, you know, and, and, and I completely understand why people, um, you know, are fearful of then going out and trying to start a business. Um, having said that, I think that you know, if you if you feel that you've got a great idea and and um, and you, you you've got you know something really special, if you can, um, you know, find other people who also believe in your idea. Um, obviously, if it's finance as well, you know, so much the better. Um, and then if you can surround yourself with great people, you know, I think you'll get enormous satisfaction from trying it. Um, 
you know, but obviously I fully understand that, you know, if, you, if, 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 you, if you're having to look after kids at home and education, um, it, you know, you, you, have to, you have to be, you know, brave, veering on foolish, you know, to, to, to give it a go. But, um, but it's, um, you know, but the upside of pulling it off is pretty, pretty damn good. So, yeah, the, it's all about the, you know, if you're talking about protecting the downside, then the sort of the reward um, part of what I understand is a struggle for folks that are in that camp is sort of the fear of failure, yeah. um, obviously. But I think for the folks at home to hear some of your struggles would help them because I think they look at you as sort of um, unflappable and you've had all this success. But, you know, yeah, well, we've, come, you... we've come, you know, I mean, there's a very thin dividing line between success and failure. And, you know, we've come very close on a number of occasions to crossing the, the, that dividing line, even to the extent on a Friday night having the bank manager at my home telling me that uh, on the Monday morning he was going to put the whole of the Virgin Group out of, out, out of business. Um, um, and I told him he wasn't welcome in the house. I pushed him out of the house, which is you know, quite a risk, risky thing to do with your bank manager. Um, and I, I sat down just shaking with anger. Um, and then we spent the weekend, you know, um, making calls and managed to rustle enough money up to sort him out on the on the Monday. But, um, but um, uh, so uh, uh, if we had if we'd failed, I mean, we were lucky enough not to. If we had failed, I think I think I'm the kind of person would have picked my, picked myself up, brushed myself down, learnt learnt from everything I'd achieved, and started again. And I, and, I, and I, you know, a lot of very successful entrepreneurs have had failures and have brushed themselves down and started again um, and learned from, you know, learned from, uh, learned from their struggles. So one of the things that, uh, you know, aside from the entrepreneurship adventures, and we've talked about everything from space to school newspapers or school magazines, um, let's talk about you personally for a second, because I think that the psychology is sort of apparent when you talk about all of the, the the way you think and how you look at risk, all that stuff. But what about you personally? Is there are there some things that have kept you especially grounded? Whether it was community or family, um, are there some things that you do every day that if you sort of don't have that, you, you feel remiss? Talk, if you can get a little bit personal, like what is? Yeah, what I, is mean, I, I mean, I mean, I think you know the best decision I made in my life was. Um, Finding a very down-to-earth Glaswegian um, uh, beautiful lass about forty years ago, um, falling in love, and um, and you know she's been as you know been my rock over those years, and um, been a wonderful mother, and and um, uh, and you know from there I've been able to have the freedom to you know get get out and create things and. Um, I've always worked from home, um, so you know she's had to put up with put up <laughs> with quite a lot. Um, uh, I think working from home means that um, that I've had to learn to delegate, and I've found very good people who, um, to delegate to. Um, uh, and is working from home something that is it, does it feel like more comfortable for you, or what is what is? I the just love I love uh, you know I love the fact that the children. You know, would you know, were literally at my feet. Oh, I've yeah. seen pictures of you on the phone with <laughs> yeah. papers spread all over the kitchen they, table. They, yeah, so so it's been it's been great to be able to. I think I spent more time with my children than most people I know, um, and therefore you know we are a very very close family. Um, 
also working, and I work, my home is an island, so uh, that's a wonderful place. It's to, actually right behind us on um, the wall there. <laughs> a wonderful place to um, sit and, and you know, think about the bigger, the bigger picture. Um, the other advantage of working in, from home is, uh, you know, I, and especially living on an island, is uh, keeping fit is very important. Um, and, you know, every morning I get up and I play tennis, I make sure it's singles so with, and play with somebody better than me at pro. Um, do the same in the evening, um, and we have, you know, um, real battles. Um, if the wind's up, I'll kite surf in the day as well. Um, and then, you know, between all that, you know, work hard. So, you know, but because I'm keeping healthy and fit, I, I, I actually get, I think, more hours work in a day than most people. And then how about, uh, is there any, how, how do you get your information? Do you try and sort of reduce the volume of information so you can sort of be in a, in a quiet place or are you looking for as many inputs as possible? Clearly, if you live on an island, there's a, a bit of you that um, wants to remain very private. But how important is sort of information and connection to um, Information and connection is really important. And, and you know, I'm a... I'm a good listener. I mean, I think a good leader needs to be a good listener. Um, I mean, I know what I think, so I don't need to listen to my own voice. And and um, and I'm learning all the time from listening, from taking notes. Um, you know, if I'm having a conversation with somebody, I'll, I'll always have a notebook in my lap. Um, uh, you know, making the list of things that I need to get done. Um, and you know, I sometimes just can't understand people. You know, you'll you'll have a, a business meeting. Nobody takes notes. You know that nothing's going to get done. I mean, maybe somebody might remember one thing, two maximum. But, um, you know, if, you, if, if there's a list of sort of 15 or 20 decisions that need to be made from it, um, then um, critical, to, critical, I think, to make, make a note and get these things done. Um, and I think that often differentiates a good leader from a bad leader. I mean, some leaders think it's beneath me to be taking notes. You know, that's, that's something a secretary should be doing. But you know, just you know, forget that, write these things down. There's something that's very, um, very uh, present with you, with the companies you've started, with the people that I know that work for you. Um, there's the sense of sort of, of creativity. Um, and, you know, that's my personal mission in life is to make the, the world a more creative place, creative lives mission. Uh, can you talk to me about your view of creativity? Do you think about it in a, in a painting, photography, drawing, design way? Do you think about creativity with a capital C? And how important is that in establishing your businesses and in your personal life? Like, what role does, does creativity play for you? Do you know, it sounds a strange thing to say, but I think um, the diff the, the, there is not a lot of difference between a, a business person and, and an artist. Um, an artist has a blank a blank sheet of paper and they've got to you know paint that paint the paper and if it's going to be a good painting every single little detail on, on that um, canvas uh, will be beautiful um, if you're you know I mean like 10 years ago um, we decided you know let's set up um, an airline that people actually will want to fly in America um, they didn't have good airlines then um, and so we set up Virgin America a blank blank sheet of canvas and we had to get every single thing right, all the little details right um, in, in setting up that business. We had to be very creative. And, um, and because every single little detail was got right, it, we, we created um, an exceptional airline. Amazing experience. Um, and, and, um, and 
uh, and and you know the rest is history. And and um, uh, so uh, detail details detail is you know it's it's all that little detail that make make up you know for the perfect picture at the end of the day. Yeah, there's a quote from the designers Ames. Eames brothers, the details aren't the details, the details are the thing. Um, and I have also been on record saying that in the future, all CEOs will be considered artists. And uh, if there are people who are, are specifically not inclined to that, they, they can they have roles in the company, but the sort of the vision is a creative experience. And I love the connection that you just made between the details in a, in a piece of art and the details in building a business. Uh, since you mentioned Virgin America, I'm going to go there for a second. One of the, the ways that Virgin America got on the map for me was, A, the Virgin brand, of course, like so welcomed in the U.S. in a world I've flown millions of air miles, hundreds of thousands every year. So it was a, it was a welcome, uh, different experience than what we've got here. Um, but specifically, as soon as you sit down on the plane, the light's different, the seat's different. The staff is different. Even in you know the site was so much different in, in buying your first ticket. And yet, when you sit down, the safety video comes on. This is years ago in a, in, a, in, a, in an area where no one thought innovation was possible. The TSA is literally the most the, the most <laughs> impressive organization in probably the, in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S. government. And yet, you found a way to sort of usurp that paradigm and make a beautiful, playful video that mm. delighted folks in an area where no one thought innovation was possible. Mm. I use that as an example all the time with my company mm. and with my peers. How important is sort of finding an area that hasn't yet been sort of exploited is the wrong word, but sort of viewed from that different angle that only you or some, mm. some other entrepreneur, like can you, can you go right in the front door and try and compete with um, some of the, you know, the, the American airlines that you cited earlier, or, or is your philosophy about sort of entering from the side door or the back door and exploiting the cracks? Like, how do you think about things? Yeah, I think if something is run in a very stuffy way, and safety videos were run in a stuffy way, the stuffiest, forever, the worst, um, uh, then you know one shouldn't be frightened of um, unstuffifying it. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a good one. Um, they um, uh, and. Uh, and, and and a lot of you know big airlines would would be frightened. They'd worry that the Civil Aviation Authority is going to come down on them for taking not treating safety with a, with a proper decorum. Um, but of course, the, the fact of life is that if you actually make a safety video enjoyable to watch, um, people are going to watch it and they're going to get the messages. And um, uh, and and if there was an incident, they're they're more likely to remember the messages. If you, if you if you have a safety video that's the boring same thing every time, nobody watches it. So, um, can we I mean, say? That, is it fair to say that that's creativity at work? Yeah, I know. Of course, it's creativity at work. And and um, um, I mean, I'm just thinking there was this, um, some years ago at Virgin Atlantic, I, the, the chief accountant rang me up and said. Um, everyone's stealing our salt and pepper pots. We're going to have to put something more boring on the plane because you know, they, they just love them. It's uh, uh, little windmills and, and, um, uh, and you know, it's costing us X, X amount of dollars a year. And, um, and I thought about it and I rang him back a couple of hours later and saying, no, no, you keep them on, but I was going to do something. So underneath all the salt and paper pots, we then printed uh, Pinch from Virgin Atlantic. 
and um, they became the greatest promotion as people were, were having their dinner parties. Uh, somebody was saying how impressed they were, their salt and pepper pots, and then they turned off and went, gotcha. <laughs> Oh, that's certainly leaning into uh, an opportunity. Um, go back to your personal life, if we can, just for a second. Is there anything you, you talked about, um, sort of uh, space, being in your own island, and I think for the folks at home, you don't have to have an island. You, could, you know, yeah, just well, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, I used to live on a houseboat, so and um, Virgin started from literally, you know, my, my children lived on a houseboat. It was, had two rooms. Uh, you know, my wife was there and I was running, you know, building the Virgin Company on a houseboat. And, um, and you know, it was, a, it, it was a place that people liked to come and visit because it was a houseboat, you know, but it was a beaten up old houseboat. Um, and it had the smallest kitchen and the smallest loo in, 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 in any, anywhere in London. Um, so, um, but, you know, we were as happy on that houseboat as, as I suspect we are today on, on an island. I mean, you know, so, so... Um, you know, so um, try, to, you know, if you can, try to find a place to work that's got a pleasant environment. That's not always affordable, but if you can, that, 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 that yeah, I think that helps. Um, and um, uh, I mean, I love, for instance, the, you know, the, 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 these organizations that are, um, you know, sharing office space um, and uh, where you can feed off, feed off other people when you're starting a business. I think, you know, I mean, that's a, a you know, great way for, people to go and you know, find a bit of space and then, they, they, and then you can learn from each other and help each other. How, how important is that energy? The energy uh, of oh, I think, it's, I think it is important. I mean, the, the, uh, you know, when I started, um, you know, when I left school, um, you know, having just you know, a group of people together um, feeding off each other was, was, was essential and um, uh, learning from each other helping each other through the bad times, enjoying the good times together. So you talked about your space, whether it's a houseboat or an island. You talked about physical fitness and health. I think there's a sad story, at least in the U.S., I, I believe globally, that creativity sort of needs to pull everything out of you. And we have so many sad stories of the Kurt Cobains, the Janis Joplins sort of taking their own lives. But I think it's going to bear out that sort of having a long creative arc to your life is uh, so much more valuable, not just to you, but to the world and contribution-wise. Um, anything else, if, if you talked about your space, you talked about you know, health and wellness, uh, how important is, um, you know, what do you do to, to, for inspiration, for example? I think the world who doesn't think of themselves as hyper-creative is out there like, oh my gosh, where does Sir Richard get his ideas and how does my, you know, even the... Uh, Startups and and even the corner store, like where do they get their ideas and inspiration? So where does someone I think, like you? I mean, I think if, you know, it, it, to, to, traveling, you know, traveling a lot, I think is important. I mean, like you know, some people listening to this, they may be out of a job. Um, uh, you know, I mean, you know, go to somewhere like Bali, you know, which costs almost nothing when you get there. I mean, fi- you know, I mean, you know, um, you know, just get out there, travel, keep your eyes open. Um, uh, and you know, I suspect in that in that three months, six months process, you'll come up with some you know some some exciting ideas. Um, but you've got to be open open to ideas and out, out there out there listening. Um, I mean, a lot of you know, a lot of not many people actually you know, make an effort and try to find out you know what's going on in Germany, what's going on in France, what's going on in Britain, what's going on in America, what's going on in Canada. Who who's come up with bre- new, new breakthrough ideas recently? 
I mean, for instance, you know, we've invested in a company called Doctors on Demand, which, you know, so, you know, you, you ring them up and, um, and there's a doctor and they'll give you 15 minutes at any time of the day from anywhere in the world. Um, great idea, you know, and, and you know, uh, and, um, you know, mainly American-based, but, you know, if somebody in Europe heard that idea, you know, they, they should get in and compete. You know, I mean, it's, it, it, and, and, and um, so, um, you know, so if you, can't, if, you, if you can't come up with your own unique ideas, um, there's other people who will have already come up with ideas in some country or other, which you can, um, you know, if, if they manage to make it work in Holland, you know, you, it's quite likely you'll be able to make it work in whichever country you live in. And if, if travel is inspiration, uh, and that's very external to you, is there anything, any internal sort of sense of inspiration that you get? Like, um, you know, you cite your, your mum or your childhood or, um, you know, I'd like to come back to your dyslexia. Well, my mother, my mother um, uh, you know, always taught us to, you know, like we weren't allowed to watch television. We had to be out there doing things, creating things. Um, um, and, uh, you know, she would, you know, like push me out of the car age six, told me to make my own way to granny's house and, um, or, you know, sent me on a bike ride in the pouring rain, you know, 400 miles, <laughs> um, as, as you do when you're, you're a 10 year old. Um, and, and, you know, so she was trying to bring us up tough. You're taking a slight risk, you know, like if, if we'd had an accident, you know, she obviously would have regretted it, but, um, but we didn't, we survived. And, and, and I think we came, came out the stronger for it at the far end. Uh, and then to go back to your uh, life with dyslexia, how important has that been in shaping you and, and how have you sort of taken what was once considered maybe uh, a challenge and, and made it, clearly made it something that works well for you? I think, I think the most important thing about my dyslexia was uh, that, that it helped me uh, learn the importance of delegation. And, and uh, you know, if you're going to build a business, don't try to do it all yourself. Find, find people who are better than yourself um, to, um, to do, you know, run things on a day-to-day -day basis. And, um, and that then leaves you up to, to think about the, big, the bigger picture. Um, so, um, uh, so I think dyslexia, uh, um, you know, it is strange. I'm, I mean, I sometimes think back to the, my days at school where I would look at there's it. No name, there's no name for it then, right? at, Yeah, no, there was, no, you didn't, they didn't, never heard of dyslexia in those days, but they just thought I was as thick as anything. So I'd look at a blank sheet of paper, I just couldn't understand the, the answers at all. And yet now, you know, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, rocket science facts, and, <laughs> and, and, I, and because I'm interested, I can, I can actually um, understand it, and, you know, enough to have a, a reasonable conversation. I've heard from a a little bird that there's a moment in the film to bring it back full circle now the film that just congratulations by the way just Thank yesterday you. I heard the premiere went great um, that you were uh, you were going to abort the mission um, something about you know you jumped out of a plane in preparation you had some experience of yeah. pulling your parachute or not pulling your parachute and that there's some parallels there did was the dyslexia at work in that moment was that yeah I mean I think there is there, there are different ways that dyslexia plays on people and um, on this occasion um, no spoilers here we have yeah. to go see the film anyway but on this occasion I pulled the cord that got rid of the parachute not the cord that opened the parachute and anyway somehow I'm still here today <laughs> you'll have to see the film to see how we survived that one <laughs> but anyway incredible um, they, um, not, a, not, a, not, a, not, not a good idea in just the few minutes that we've uh, got left, um, 
Is there something that if you revealed it uh, in this interview that people would not likely know about you? What would that thing be? Something that not that you haven't um, talked about rather publicly, but something that would be a surprise to some people to know about you? Uh, let me think. Um, I'm a pretty open book. Um, okay, the one story I didn't tell in my book <laughs> was was uh, I was driving when I was, as a 21-year-old down to Oxford one day, and um, the police siren went behind me. I was driving at 100 miles an hour, and. Um, and I thought, fuck, I do not want to be put off the road for six months. Um, so I, I leant over to my friend who was sitting next to me. I punched him in the stomach, took the car window down, and um, he was buckled up in agony. And I said, my friend, he's got an attack of appendicitis. And, um, and, and um, so the policeman uh, looked at him, looked at me, and then said, right, follow us. And siren blaring, off we go to the local hospital. <laughs> and um, when we got to the hospital, um, John was trying to think how we could get out of this now. and so he they're going to start sticking tubes and needles in so him. So he, he said to the doctor, look, I haven't been to the loo for a week. This could be the problem. So anyway, the next moment I see this doctor with a rubber glove <laughs> going into the cubicle. And um, he's, some, he's still somehow a friend. But uh, anyway, he, that was called true sacrifice. For, 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 and uh, we, we, some, we somehow got off it. Well, yeah, you beat my next question. Are you still friends with John? It sounds, it sounds like you are. He's forgiven you. He's forgiven me. Brilliant. Well, uh, I'm super grateful for your time. Thank Richard. you very Thank much. you very much. All right, that about wraps it up. But before I let you go, I want to say, A, a huge thank you. B, let you know how to find me. I'm basically at Chase Jarvis all over the internet, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm very active on Snapchat. You guys should check it. If that's a platform that you enjoy, uh, check me out there, as well as all the other ones. It's a super important ask for you to share this. Also, uh, subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, and or Stitcher. And most definitely, if you're willing to put in a little bit of extra juice, please leave a review on iTunes. That helps make our podcast more visible. Last place that you can check it out and, and get some additional value is in my newsletter, which is chasejarvis.com slash VIP. That is where I put content out before it hits my social platforms. So that's sort of the insider track. Leave comments all over the internet for me. I will track them down and respond as best I can. And uh, again, huge thank you for listening to the podcast. And I'm looking forward to the next episode already. I hope you'll join me next time.